You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I hope you had a nice Memorial Day weekend. Today I want to talk about a phenomenon that's going on in our culture today, which is not surprising, and it's it's called trans regret, basically. And it's teenagers, boys and girls, who ha- have had transitioned to the opposite sex and now regret that transition. And there's been... A lot of articles um, about this recently, and there was also that video. A lot of um, a lot of you may have seen this video with Helena Kirshner. Very powerful video. Um, we'll put a link to it below. Um, she's in her. She did a bunch of interviews, but she basically transitioned from male to f- from female to male, and had a horrible experience and regretted it. It's a, and she's super smart, articulate. I think she's like 24, 25 now, but she did all this when she was a teenager and she regrets it. And, uh, she, she talks about it at length in, in different interviews, but we'll, we'll post the, uh, the, I think it's the Michael Knowles interview below. So you can look at that, but I wanted to look first at a couple of these articles that have come out about this regret, this trans regret. And the first one I want to look at is by Susie Weiss. I think she's Barry Weiss's sister. And she gets into a lot of stories of, of uh, several people, several, I think several girls that um, who regret transitioning. And at the very beginning, the, the title of the article is The Testosterone Hangover. And she says the Biden the Biden administration says transgender kids are entitled to gender affirming, quote unquote, medical care. These girls disagree. Quote, I have this intense rage in me over the harm that was done to me, says one of the girls. So first she talks about this girl named Chloe and Chloe woke. She she had a double mastectomy uh, when she was a teenager and I think she was, uh, yeah, she was 15 years old at the time. She had a double mastectomy, which is crazy and irreversible. By the way, I mean, I talked about this on the show before, but Abigail Schreier wrote that book, Irreversible Damage, which is about uh, this trans phenomenon and how it's become a, it's a social contagion, how the culture is, is pushing it, uh, teachers, school administrators, even parents and peers are are pushing this this gender ideology that is absolutely insane and it's from the pit of hell of course and so um so she goes on to say that chloe always hated her body and she spent a lot of time on tumblr tumblr apparently is where a lot of these young girls go to, um, and they get kind of like sucked into this hole on Tumblr. And if you say on Tumblr, if you're a cis female, 
which is uh, really bad if you're cisgender means the gender that you were uh, your biological gender. If you're a cisgender female or male, you are you are uh, seen with scorn uh, uh, on Tumblr. And so the second you say you're trans, people instantly love you. They affirm you. They uh, they encourage you to start transitioning with hormones, puberty blockers, and even mastect- double mastectomies and and uh, other things. So she she was on Tumblr and she she learned the words quote pansexual and bi gender um, when she was twelve years old, and she thought maybe I meant maybe I meant to live as a boy. And remember. You know, I talk. I talked about this before when this. I was at speaking at a church in uh, was it Philadelphia, and um, this young girl, a teenage girl, came up to me and said she was non-binary, pansexual, and I asked her why she was that way because when I was in high school, there was no such thing. <laughs> there was when I was in high school thirty plus years ago, there was no such thing as non-binary, pansexual. That was not a thing. So. Obviously, this is a cultural phenomenon, and uh, it's 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 a, a total invention of our current uh, age of this current crazy epoch that we live in right now. So anyway, Chloe started going by the name Leo and started taking puberty blockers, which are very dangerous. And her mother was administering these puberty uh, was, was administering weekly testosterone injections. And then she went under the knife in 2020 and had a double mastectomy. Uh, and gender activists call this, you know, the gender activists call it gender affirming care, which means, and the, and the article says, which means all the adults in her life, doctors, nurses, social workers, teachers, parents, actively supported her decision to become the person she believed she was meant to be, even if that person required an elective mastectomy in high school or taking puberty blocker drugs or injecting cross-hormones, cross-sex hormones like testosterone. So all these people in her life were encouraging her to do this to 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 transition which is insane especially for the parents to encourage this and so it's i mean it's child abuse and the article goes on to say that gender affirming care the the president spokeswoman jen saki explained at a recent press conference was quote best practice and potentially life-saving if trans kids weren't able to transition, not just socially, but medically with cross sex hormones, puberty blockers and surgeries, they might well kill themselves. See, this is like the red herring. This is the threat. So this is, and this is, of course, this is scary for parents. If a child is threatening suicide, it's very scary for a parent. So they're going to do everything they can to pre- prevent that. But what, we're not seeing and what we we don't really realize is that there's underlying other mental health issues that are at play not not it's not about transitioning because that actually exacerbates mental health issues which we'll see later but so there's already underlying issues especially if you're a teenage girl or boy 
mean, there's all there's so many issues, and I, I mentioned this before. Um, I forgot who did this study, but in the 1800s, puberty for girls started at 16 years old, and now it starts on average at 12, and sometimes at nine years old. So that can be a very uh, it, it can be a very disturbing thing for a young girl to start puberty and her body suddenly changing and she doesn't. So all kinds of angst and, and, and kind of anxiety goes along with that. And so the way now in our culture to deal with that anxiety is to become a boy, is to transition, which is so uh, insane. And so the article goes on to say that that in Norway, Sweden, and France, they're now reversing course uh, from their gender-affirming course uh, because they say there's an absence of evidence that's, that such care actually improves mental health outcomes for dysphoric children. Um, by the way, I don't buy that there's all these dysphoric children. This is, again, this is a social contagion. It's a it's cultural phenomenon uh, if there's gender dysphoria, it's it's a very extreme minimum of the population, and so this is uh, this is again this is a cultural phenomenon that right now that's very popular, and 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 the people in government, pe- people in public policy are pushing this, which is even crazier. Um, and and she says that the phrase gender affirming is misleading. It's a euphemism for something closer to medical malpractice. When else do we trust children to self-diagnose and make lifelong medical decisions? You know, I think there's going to be a lot of medical malpractice lawsuits uh, coming up after, because there's going to be so many of these kids who transition and regret it. And they're going to start suing these doctors who are, performing double mastectomies and giving puberty blockers and uh, testosterone treatments. And so that's on the horizon for sure. Um, So Chloe came to regret all of this. And, uh, and then I talked, I mentioned Helena Kirshner. She, and again, uh, we'll put the link below for, for that interview, but um, she had a guidance counselor at her public school, and the guidance counselor agreed that Helena was a man just because Helena said that she was uncomfortable in her body. And so the guidance counselor, I, I would call that a misguidance counselor. That's not a guidance counselor. That's, that's you're misguiding a, a child uh, into a very extreme, um, very harmful path. And, this guidance counselor helped make Helena a budget for her transition and referred her to the school psychologist who was even more gung-ho. Quote, I remember this, the psychologist saying, quote, your mom is a transphobe because apparently Hel- Hel- Helena's mother was not on board for this transition. Of course. I mean, no mother should be. And so the, the, the school, the psychologist, the school psychologist calls her mother a transphobe. I mean, it's completely insane. And so Helena says, I had a ton of issues with my academics and my mental health, but I never really got help with that. As soon as I said I was trans, 
it was all hands on deck. So all it's like this kind of um, uh, what's the word? It's this kind of uh, panic or this kind of panic word. So as soon as you say trans, everyone is on board. Like your school counselor, the principal, the teachers, the everyone, the the guidance counselors, they all are on board, and they're all supporting you, surrounding you, and encouraging you to transition. And when when Helena was 18 years old, she went to Planned Parenthood in Chicago and started doing uh, testosterone treatments. And um, they they recommended the nurse recommended a dose of 25 milligrams, but Helena asked for more, and she ended up getting 100 milligrams of testosterone. And she said the whole thing took about an hour to do this visit. This visit with the nurse at this hospital, or I'm sorry, at Planned Parenthood. So Planned Parenthood, if any teenager goes, I, it depends on what state and what city. But if any teenager goes to a Planned Parenthood and says they want to get on testosterone, they immediately give it to them for free. Uh, obviously, it's not free, but they they get free testosterone. And that, and these kids inject themselves with testosterone, which is, you know, of course, is very safe to do. By the way, I mean, before I go on, I just remember in the in the '90s when Hillary Clinton was first lady, and then in in the uh, twenty in 2012 when she was um, Secretary of State, she got on this whole thing, uh, this bandwagon about genital genital mutilation in Africa. She um, and there's an article uh, from. 1998, where it says uh, the title is The First Lady Decries Genital Mutilation. And then in 2012, it says Secretary of State Hillary Clinton highlights need to end female genital cutting. Now, where is she's where is Hillary Clinton now with this is genital mutilation when you're when you're removing a man's genitals to become a woman or a boy's genitals to become a girl or doing a double mastectomy for a girl to become a boy. That's a genital mutilation. And I know in Africa it was um, imposed on young girls, but it's, it's essentially the same thing here. It's imposed on, on young boys and girls because it's, if, if those young boys or girls say that they, they are trans, then Everyone comes, as I said, everyone comes around them and basically imposes this on them and basically demands that they transition and their peers do as well. So we're, we're, it's the same thing. We were allegedly outraged at genital mutilation in Africa in the nineties and in the early two thousands and, and so on. But no one is talking about this. No one's talking about the outrage of mutilating teenagers bodies just to push a gender ideology it's 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 insane so in 2018 helena realized she wasn't a boy uh she she, and then she went cold turkey off of the testosterone so she she kind of came to her senses and because she realized that she became she was becoming more and more despondent more and more depressed and again these transitions make these these kids more and more depressed and, and, and affect, it affects their mental health even more. So she realized she wasn't a boy. She went off the testosterone and she, she detransitioned. 
And thankfully, Helena did not get a double mastectomy. So now she, in the video you'll see, I mean, she she's basically a normal woman. She's, uh, she's 25. I don't think there's any permanent damage that has been done to her. But, um, you know, it could have easily gone that way. And the article goes on to say, proponents of gender-affirming care say its benefits dramatically outweigh the risks. But there's little data to back that up. And in any, any case, this is still a new phenomenon about which a great deal is not known. The American Medical Association staunchly supports gender-affirming care. Let's not call it... I mean, it's not gender-affirming care. This is called... Uh, child abuse. Let's call it what it is. It's child abuse. And the same with universities, especially elite universities. And she says the same with the president of the United States. So this is, this is coming from the top, (laughs) the very top all the way down. And um, she goes on to talk about a girl called Mia who started identifying as trans at 12 And again, Mia was on Tumblr and she says, Mia says, quote, I thought it was going to solve all my problems. At 15, Mia went on testosterone and puberty, puberty blocker, uh, puberty blockers. A year later, she realized she'd made a mistake, but didn't want to admit that to her therapist who was also trans. So her therapist is trans. So she lied and said she was happy with her body, which she was now partially masculinized. And then another girl named Phoenix came out as trans at 12, and her mother was supportive. And Phoenix started going by the name Gavin. Um, And she had a double mastectomy. And completely regrets it. She was having all kinds of issues with her genitalia and, um, and she detransitioned. Julie, who's 27 now likens the policy to lobotomy to a lobotomy. Um, she quote, she says, I have this intense rage in me over the harm that was done to me. That's, I quoted that in the beginning, but Um, it is, it's like this irreversible damage. It's like having a lobotomy and you can't, and then you can't go back. You're stuck. And she calls her treatment a quote, collaborative idiocy, drawing together her parents, therapists, and doctors. And then she says it took a, and it's expletive. She, it took a blank village. So it took a village of idiots, basically, uh, uh, what was that book by the Confederacy of Dunces? I forgot uh, who wrote that. But anyway, it's it was uh, big in the 90s. But um, yeah, basically it took a, a village of idiots to, to um, encourage Julie to transition. And she regrets that. And the, the double mastectomy is also called, it's called in the trans world, it's called top surgery. And... Um, When she woke up from surgery, Julie said, I didn't feel happy or sad. I only felt numb. It wasn't supposed to be like that. I asked my doctor about concerns I was having about my heart health. And she told me, quote, listen, you signed a waiver, which scared me. She said, 
After five years on hormones, Julie stopped taking them. Um, so again, this is major malfeasance, malpractice, medical malpractice. And Susie Weiss talks about how some states are pushing back on this, this gender affirming care, like Texas and Alabama and Arkansas and Arizona. Um, they're starting to consider a child abuse. And actually I think in Alabama that if, if, if uh, someone prescribes puberty blockers or hormones to kids illegally, it's punishable by 10 years in prison, up to 10 years in prison. And then Susie Weiss says, there is a suspicion lurking behind many of these stories that the adults weren't really listening to the children so much as superimposing their pol politics on them. Again, this is a political game. It's a political weapon. And there, we're using kids as these guinea pigs in these political culture wars, these political battles. It's absolutely absurd and bizarre to use children as guinea pigs in, the, in, this, in these wars. It's, it's so demonic. And um, Chloe says, back to Chloe, she says a few months after she, uh, Susie says a few months after she had her breasts removed, she was in class and the teacher started talking about the psychologist Harry Harlow and his experiment with rhesus monkeys. The experiment showed that the bond between mother and child was very, very much, was much more critical to the development of the child's brain than had been known. And then Chloe says, it occurred to me that I'd never be able to breastfeed my baby. She was 16. So, yeah, when you have a double mastectomy, uh, you basically are stuck with that and you can't nurse your child. And there's an article in the, the Washington Post that came out recently, uh, and it's written by Karina Cohn. And this person, when, when she says that when I was 19, I had surgery for sex reassignment or what is now called gender affirmation, affirmation surgery. She's now 50 years old and she basically she regrets this surgery uh and is stuck with it karina was a boy and basically was castrated and now has to live with that and she or he actually is 50 years old and regrets that so much and he says surgery unshackled me from my body's urges but the destruction of my testicles introduced a different type of bondage from the day of my surgery, I became a medical patient and will remain one for the rest of my life. So again, this person, this guy had his uh, genitalia removed and is, has been a medical patient his whole life and still is and will, will, will be for the rest of his life. And he now says, I must choose between the risk of taking exogenous estrogen, which includes venous thromboembolism and stroke or the risk of taking nothing which includes degeneration of bone health in either case my risk of dementia is higher a side effect of eschewing testosterone so that's a big risk too dementia is a big risk for males who become females and um, are on these different drugs and he says what was i seeking for my sacrifice 
a feeling of wholeness and perfection. I was still a virgin when I had when I went in for surgery. I mistakenly believed that this made my choice more serious and authentic. I chose an irreversible change before I'd even begun to understand my sexuality. And so this was way back in the 90s when this guy uh, transitioned to a woman and had his genitalia removed. And he says, I shudder to think how distorting today's social media is for confused teenagers. I'm also alarmed by how readily authority figures facilitate transition. So even this guy who became a woman at 19 and is, who is now 50 is saying that he, he's shocked at how authority figures are all on board for this and how insane that is. And his advice is most of all, slow down. You may yet to decide to make the change, but if you explore the world by inhabiting your body as it is, perhaps you'll find that you love it more than you thought possible. Um, obviously, all of this is, again, it's um, it's playing God. Because, obvi- you know, obviously we are binary. Human beings are binary. We I've talked about this before. God made us male and female. In Genesis, we know that. Genesis 1 and, 1 and 2. Jesus reiterates that in Matthew uh, 19. Jesus says, Have you not read that he who created them us from the beginning made them male and female. So God chooses who to make male or female. He chose to make me male. So if I, if I transition to a woman, I'm playing God. And again, it's a very, very, very dangerous game to play. So as I always say, God knows best. Father knows best. He knows how what makes human beings flourish the most that's why he sets up these boundaries that's why there's a binary that's why sex is to be expressed within the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman he knows what's best for us how we flourish the most if we go outside of those bounds in any way and everything in the lgbt uh acronym goes outside of those bounds everything does And so if you go outside of those bounds, it leads to destruction. And I say this all the time. It's either temporal destruction or eternal destruction or both. And so it's so dangerous to play God. It's so dangerous to not heed God's God's warnings and God's design for human beings, how God designed us, how God designed us to function. Um, I had this kind of... Just personally, I had this epiphany a couple of weeks ago. I always kind of knew intellectually that, you know, obviously I I believe homosexual behavior is a sin and it's wrong and it's very destructive. And I lived that life for many years. But I had this, I always knew intellectually that it was wrong and that uh, just as a Christian, since I've been a Christian for 13 years, but it, I, a couple of weeks ago, I kind of just saw it. I, I saw it in a new light and I saw how utterly against, not only against nature, but against God's design, it was f- 
for, for me to have lived that life. And, and I, I so regret living that life. And I, and I was talking to a friend of mine and I was saying that I feel like I, you know, I, I was robbed. I was robbed of a wife and kids. (laughs) Not that everyone gets married, but in a way I feel robbed by that. I feel robbed that I wasn't able to have a wife and kids and, um, and I wasn't able to experience the joys of that. And I mean, I know it's not always easy to, to have that, I have a family and, and deal with that, but I missed out on that. Um, which of course God redeemed and he's redeeming and it's amazing. I'm, I'm thrilled to be in God's kingdom and I know I have eternal life. So I never feel pity, self-pity about this. I'm, this is not a self-pity thing. It's just an epiphany thing I had about, wow, like that really was not who I was. I, that's not what I was supposed, I was not supposed to be, um, sexually involved with other men. I was supposed to be sexually involved with a woman. if, if, uh, if I had been married a wife and that is the, that is the proper expression of, of sexuality in, in a covenant with a wife. And so, um, Anyway, it really hit me like a ton of bricks a couple weeks ago. And I, I just had this moment of like, wow, like my, my whole adult life was, was consumed with, uh, a destructive path. And anyway, I'm so glad that God saved me and that God (laughs) gave me new life (laughs) and that God redeemed all of that. And, um, and now I get to be not only an heir to God, a co-heir with Christ. And I am in the kingdom of God. I'm in God's family and I get to, uh, have a relationship with him for all of eternity because of Christ, what Christ did on the cross. So I guess my, my, the, the last thing I'll say is we need to pray for this culture because this our culture is obviously crazy and we need to be, on our knees praying for the what's going on in culture. And I really do pray that God would, would do a huge, uh, work in our, in our world. And, um, and that there would be, you know, the pendulum would swing back and, and people would come to their senses and come to Christ. Really. That's the answer is the gospel. Uh, so I, I pray that that happens and, I hope you guys will pray too, but thank you guys for joining me. And, uh, next week, I think I'm going to have, uh, Victoria Jackson on the show. So I will see you then. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beckett cook show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of the Beckett cook show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com.
I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.